Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 216 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So today we are talking about other people's babies. I love this. I'm really excited. I know, me too. I think that there's this conception that just because you love your own children, you love everyone else's equally, or that the way that you are with your kids, you'll be with other people's kids. And I have found that to really fluctuate a lot depending on like my stage of life and what my relationship is to the kid. And frankly, if the kid is likable, oops, oops, oops. Did you say, <laughs> Did that, I out say loud? that out loud? Yes. Well, I think we've made reference before on the show about how other people's children in, in particular, if you're like, you know, chaperoning a field trip or at a school mm. function, how I think it's pretty common to not enjoy other people's children as much as we enjoy our own. And then we kind of feel guilty about that. But like there's someone else's like snotty nosed first grader is just not as endearing as your own. But I think today will be fun because I think we're mostly going to talk about the babies, first of all, not the big kids. Um, And there's lots of opportunities to have other other people's babies in your lives. We've got nieces and nephews, you know, our friends. So I was actually inspired to do this topic because I am expecting a niece I mean, I would Any like minute, right? I would like her to arrive today, the day we're Maybe recording. Maybe she'll arrive this. while we're recording. She yeah. could be. I mean, I really I checked in like an hour ago, so I don't think she's oh. being born right now. But by the time this airs, she will be here. Um, so that's exciting for me. Another new little niece, and we're gonna get into nieces and nephews in particular and how we've been as aunties and even how we might hope to be as grandparents one day. Yeah, so this will be I love fun. It. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll dive in. Okay, everyone, last call for our listener survey. This is your chance to let us know what you think of the show and what you'd like to hear more of, maybe what you'd like to hear less of. Hey, we can't make any promises, but uh, we want to hear from you. And we've already heard from hundreds of you. Thank you so much. And we've learned some really interesting things. For example, 37% of you listen while driving or commuting and 44% listen while doing chores or taking care of things around the house. Do you fall into one of those categories or maybe another one? This is your chance to tell us. 
The survey is still up at themomhour.com slash survey, and it takes just a couple of minutes to fill out. You can do it right now on your phone even. Again, just head to themomhour.com slash survey. Thanks, everybody. Well, we are really excited to talk about our new partnership with Jane.com today. Jane is an online boutique daily deals retailer where, Megan, you and I continue to score amazing deals on fashion, shoes, accessories, and home decor. My sister, my much younger and hipper sister, turned me onto Jane a few years ago, and I love scrolling the app on my phone for new deals. The styles are really fashion forward, and the prices are unbelievable. And you guys know I can't resist a cute pair of shoes for like $12. All summer right now, I am wearing these rose gold flat sandals that I got on Jane. And I also recently scored a pair of linen pants with this comfy fold over waistband for 20 bucks. If you haven't checked out Jane, use our link and you'll go right to a page with the latest deals in women's fashion. We're part of their affiliate program, which means if you make a purchase through our link, you're also helping support the podcast too. And speaking of that, Jane loves supporting women-owned businesses. So you're going to see 350 to 500 deals a day on their site. And those deals come from more than 1500 women-owned mom-owned businesses. Businesses. So we love that. Again, you're going to go to themomhour.com slash Jane, J-A-N-E, to start shopping. Okay, Sarah. So let's just kind of set a foundation. Um, and a- again, for me, this is something that has changed over time. So keeping that in mind, yeah. there's never just an option A or B, right? But how do you feel about other people's babies in general? And do you get like baby fever? Do you say my ovaries are twi- like twinging when I see this baby? <laughs> um, or has that changed for you as well? You know, I, I love babies. I love to see babies and babies in babies around in life, in the, the grocery store, make me super happy, but I have never been a like, oh my gosh, give me that baby. Or I need to have a baby after having seen that baby. I wasn't even like that before I had kids when I was starting to want babies. I've just never felt that way. I felt like I am enjoying being in the presence of other people's babies, but I don't say things like I'm going to steal your baby and take it home with me or, Mm -hmm. or like, yeah, my (laughs) ovaries are doing that thing. Um, I guess for me wanting a baby of my own, all three times mine were planned and, you know, kind of hoped for was a very different feeling from how I feel when I'm around other people's babies. Now, having said that, the older my kids get, I do feel almost a like a tenderness or like a nostalgia. I still, it never makes me want to go back. I know for some people it does. And it can be almost like a conflicting emotion, mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. almost a real sadness. I, at this point, still don't have, I never look at a nine-month-old, even though nine months is truly my favorite age, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But I never... I never want to go back or, or have my kids go back to that age. And I never want another one. So I really, I love the babies. I love to, you know, have opportunities to be around them, but I feel like there's like a, it's almost like a a different box to put the emotions in than wanting another baby or wanting my kids to be babies again. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I fall. How about you? So this, I'm glad that you went first because, um, that's helping actually to put some shape around how I've been feeling lately. So I used to always be the person when I was deeply in the baby stage who was just gaga over babies. And I would hold a baby and wish I had my own baby. Like I had like a visceral, you know, urge for, or like, even if I just had a toddler and I wasn't that far away from the baby phase, holding a baby would make me desperately want another baby. And now that I've been away from that for a while, I'm kind of baby meh at the moment. (laughs) And probably my version of baby meh is much like your, your your standard, right? So like if I see a baby out in public, I I smile and coo and I think they're cute and I'm glad they're around. 
and I appreciate people's baby pictures and people's babies, but I don't have, I'm far enough removed from my own baby times that I don't have that visceral, like, oof, I wish I could go back there response. Like that ship has sailed. There's no going back. Like I don't have those feelings anymore. Yeah. But I also don't right now have a direct relationship to many women with little babies. And for my life or for so much of my life, it wasn't just me. And we'll get into this yeah. in a little bit, but like, it wasn't just me having babies. Like everyone I was close to had babies and often multiple babies or a baby and a toddler. So I was just like a wash in babies. My world was lousy with them. What's interesting is you would think that because you're not lousy with other people's babies now <laughs> that you would even want more to kind of gobble up the few that are around you. But it sounds yeah. like it sounds like it is sort of just a, a phase of life thing. Like it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's like, I, I mean, like, OK, so my friend Liz has this gorgeous toddler. Her name's Liliana. And she's ador- like the most adorable toddler. And she was an adorable baby. Um, she's the only person I know currently in my day-to-day life with a small, like a toddler or baby, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. And I really thought I'd be over there all the time, like wanting to just gobble up baby time. But what I find is that I'm just in this different phase of life. So I just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. It's not like when I get around her, of course, she's adorable and I want to coo at her and play with her and and all that. But like, I, I just, I'm removed from that now Mm -hmm. so much that like, I'm not around it enough to be kind of in it. Mm-hmm. And so I used to be like the mom who would show up at a party. And if you had a baby, I would take your baby and hold it all night. Like no one ever had to hold their own babies. Cause I would do it. And now like, it just wouldn't occur to me, I guess. Yeah. To hold someone else's baby all night. That's so that's <laughs> interesting. I don't think I've had as much just opportunity or experience and we're going to get into that. Um, but I, I do, there is like a certain age range where I really, if it, if opportunity was there, I, I do love to hold and play with those babies. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe I made it sound like I'm more meh than I really am. Um, but I guess for me, it's more the baby fever part. It never yeah. makes me want one of my own. It just makes me want to enjoy, enjoy yours. Other people's. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So let's talk about the babies that you were in close proximity to during those years when you said you were lousy with babies. Um, I'm thinking specifically of nieces and nephews. So why don't you talk about that? And then also let's talk about like developing relationships with those little babies. I'm interested in this because I have a lot fewer nieces and nephews than you did. And it it is a special bond, but I'm Mm. curious like how that worked for you. First of all, you had a bunch of your own kids and then you had a bunch of these other babies. Did you, were there little special moments or special relationships that would crop up over time or how did that work for you? So, okay. Um, I just really need to really (laughs) describe and illustrate how absolutely drowning I was in babies and small kids while my own babies were babies and small kids. So my sister has four kids, her oldest, my oldest and her youngers were closer in age. So like while she had toddlers, I had babies. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I actually lived with her for a while when Jacob was a baby. And then again, when Isaac was a toddler, and then I, I lived near her. So we spent a ton of time together in those years. Then my closest friends had babies right around the time William and Owen were born. I had also worked at a birth center for a long time. So I was constantly surrounded by babies and toddlers. Also, my brother, John, has three kids. My other brother, Buck, has four. So that's a total of 14 cousins. And the year that Owen was born, both my brothers and my sisters also had a baby. And then we kept adding babies. So like, just imagine these family reunions. It was ridiculous for a little while. But, you know, before the oldest ones were off and they were still all kids, it was just it was just ridiculous. And then I swapped childcare for years with my brother and his little ones and then my friend Missy and her little boy, Sam. So like 
when he was little, like a toddler age. So I was just surrounded by little ones, just mm-hmm. completely just like drowning in them. Like I'm picturing myself with my hands like flailing in the air. And there's just like, <laughs> I don't know. There's just like babies and, and toddlers crawling all over me. So I was almost exactly the same way with other people's babies as I was with my own. And I think it was because how else was I going to be? Like, right. I didn't have time to create, to do anything differently. Or I was, I just was like, what was great about that was like, I was so laid back. I would change any kid's diaper. I would rock any baby. If you had to run an errand, I was like, what's one more pound to an elephant? Bring right. the baby. I will watch that baby. So I was very happy to do the uncomfortable parts of baby care because I was so in the weeds. Mm. That like nothing phased me. Nothing. I was unflappable. Like I could like whatever. You could leave me in a room with like six babies and just leave. And I'd be like, oh, I'll figure it out. It just nothing <laughs> bothered me. Now, the negative side of that, I guess, is that I didn't really get a chance to develop special moments with any one mm-hmm. kid. Um, not to say that they didn't exist. I'm sure they did, but I don't remember. Like it right. was, you know. That kind of has started to happen as they've gotten older and as my own children have gotten older and that has created space for that in my life. But when they were all just, when I was just surrounded in babies, that was not happening. Okay. It was like everybody's baby and nobody's baby. It's just, it just a, a pile of babies. It's just I a think pile of babies. so interesting because I'm almost the flip on a couple of different things that you said. First of all, I didn't have any nieces, nephews, or even close family friends having babies the same time as I did. So I didn't have that. Um, What I did have was a close group of mom friends I met when Allegra was born and the babies were about three months. And so we all met because we already had babies. So we came together because of the babies and we did help each other out with childcare or come together. And then we all started having second babies and third babies. I think that's very different than nieces and nephews, but because I felt a very palpable sense of like, I don't have extended family to do this with. And so these other moms became kind of like, I mean, there are some kids in that group that really are like cousins to my kids. And I remember just feeling like that was kind of special and like I was creating that on my own. And I Mm. I just remember how much, I mean, with the first babies, we would talk about their first tooth, their Mm. bowel (laughs) movements there. And so I felt like I knew these six other babies who are now all going into middle school. And what's funny now is when we get together and these friends are in Arizona and we've moved and a couple others have moved, but when we get together and we see the, the big kids in particular, the 11 year olds, we, we still feel like we know them in this very intimate way. And the kids don't even, I mean, they don't even know the other moms very well anymore. It's like, why are you looking at me? Like, you know me. And it's like, cause I changed your diaper and I was there when you took your first step. And I, so that was like, that was a very special way to know other people's babies, but it was really in absence of the more traditional experience, like you described, which is like a a more organic tribe extended family, you know, everyone's all, you were already a family. And then the baby started coming, whereas we had babies and then came together a family about around, but I do have, yeah, I do have very, I have warm fuzzies for those babies. And we knew each other's babies in a way that we never knew, like, the, especially after the second one, anybody after that, it's like, I mean, I don't even remember when they were born because I was already drowning in my own by that point. But those first babies, um, 
We just knew each other's kids really well. And I love that. Um, oh, the other thing you said was that you, someone could put you in a room with six babies and you'd be fine. I think I was more, I was more nervous about getting overwhelmed by that kind of helping each other out in those days. And now I am totally fine with a whole bunch of older kids in my yeah. house. So it's just kind well, of, well, and babies, you know, they, 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 it's just a different kind of care yeah a different kind of chaos I guess right they're unpredictable they might all decide to cry at once and yeah and I think yeah. I just wanted to do you know wanted to do right by all these babies do it's all not, right yes. yeah and I wasn't afraid to change somebody else's diaper either I was happy to to jump in and do stuff like that but I think I I think you were you were the bring it on you know and I was probably not in those days while you were talking about your um, play group, it got me thinking about, you know, how many memories I have of my friends and, and close relatives and how like, oh, and so-and-so was a baby then. Like the baby is yeah. like the time, the marker of time. And I wonder if you have that experience ever. I mean, I guess it'd be different because all of your kids, the play group moms, babies were babies at the same time. Yeah. But our, with yeah. our second and thirds, it, it does really help. Like I always yeah. think like, it, I always know when something happened by who was pregnant. Yeah. Like yeah. you said, who was pregnant and who was a baby. And it did as, as the years went on with our second babies and our third and one went on to have four, then the, you can tell by looking at the pictures and like, when was that? So yeah, right. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. And it's always funny when I've got like, you know, the kids are all teenagers and they'll be kind of sitting around. Not all of them. Claire is not. And uh, Jenna's younger too, aren't, but now the, the bulk of my kids are older it's always funny to watch like when we're talking and, I'll, and we'll casually mention like, oh, yeah, that time you like fell up the stairs with Jack in your arms and he flew out and hit the wall. And then Jack's in there like, what? Like, like they're not even they have no idea all these things that yes. happened yes. around them that they were part of. Yes. Like, it's just like they were there, but they don't know that they were there and they're right. part of the story, but they don't know that they're part of the story. It's just it's fun. I love that. And for the adults, it's it's a way that you're always connected to that kid, even if you don't you know, maintain a closeness in their older years. You were, you know, you were there for that. Right. Thing. Yeah. I yeah. So I mentioned a little bit about how I was with other people's babies then. Um, so how about you? Are, are, were you the same with other people's babies when you had little babies? Is it changed now? Like, what do you, what do you focus on when you see somebody else's kids versus your own? And how has that changed? Yeah, I do think there's some there's some differences. First of all, there is a phase where babies are not necessarily going to open up or warm up to you yes. as much as you want. So like we started this talking about whether we want to hold and reach out and snuggle other people's babies, that baby may not, may not want anything to do with you. Um, and that has been the case with a couple of my nieces on both sides of family. So I'm not throwing any one particular one under the bus. Uh, but I, there have been phases where I've really wanted to help or mm -hmm. care for them, give mom a break. And they're just in that phase. I would say like a year to two, you know, in that, like, the later half of the first year, like maybe nine months to two, where they just want, they want their mom. They're not interested in Aunt Sarah or, you know, somebody they don't know as well. And again, this goes back to my family being farther away and not seeing everybody as often. So that is obviously a big difference because I don't think you can you know, be with or care for a baby or toddler in the same way you'd parent your own kids if they want nothing to do with you. It's just, a, it's right. a completely different, it becomes more about like, how can I build trust? How can I, you know, get this baby to let me hold her, which is obviously very different from your own kids. Um, yeah. 
Another thing I find different is I had a lot going on when I had my own babies. I had three, you know, two years apart. I was busy. I was working from home. So I was a big multitasker. I was wearing a baby and making dinner and doing something with a preschooler or whatever. And I, I think just a, a natural difference when you look after or play with somebody else's baby is you don't have the responsibility of also managing that person's home, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a kind of a different energy. And I, I mean, I hope with my nieces and nephew that that's kind of one of the fun parts is like, I can just play or just, you know, follow their lead or take them to do something really fun where it's just that. And I, you know, with my own kids, I am, I'm running a household and I'm parenting three of them at the same time. So I don't know in terms of like, I think I am pretty much the same in how I goo goo gaga talk to them. And Mm -hmm. you know, the things, those things would be the same, but the, those are the differences I thought of. Well, you made a really good point with the fact that you might want to be a certain way with them, but that doesn't mean they want to be that way with you. And I think that's the difference between where I am now and where I was 10 or 15 years ago is that I'm living my own life. So even if a friend has a baby, because I don't have a baby, I'm not like, it's not like it used to be where we'd get together with the babies. So they're just like, so Liliana, for example, does not have the opportunity to get to know me as well. So right now she's pretty shy around me. So it really doesn't matter how I want to be with her. Like she doesn't want to be that way with me. So that makes me kind of feel like, Oh, okay, well I'll just observe and watch her be cute and go goo goo gaga. Um, I was, while you were talking, I was thinking about how much time I spent with my brother and sister's kids when they were little, like Quinn, who's now 13, he might've actually just turned 14. Yep. He turned 14. When he was a baby, he was so attached to me that he would cry every time he would leave. And there's this really funny memory where Quinn was crying so piteously because he had to leave that Jacob started to cry because he felt so bad for Quinn. So Jacob's like, Quinn crying and Quinn is crying. And then we're trying to like get them out the door. It was just like super touching and, and lovely. Right. But I don't, I don't have that now. Who would I have that with? So, (laughs) um, I also think part of it is that my relationship with my kids now is so much more like functional. It's like cerebral. We talk, we joke, we laugh. It's relational. It's based on individual relationships with mm-hmm. them. And then it's also functional. Like so much of what I do with my older kids is about getting them where they have to go, making sure they're doing the things they have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Feeding them, keeping the house clean, making sure they do their homework, all that stuff. My brain is at a, such a different place than it was when I was in baby mode that it's really kind of hard for me to switch back and forth, mm-hmm. to be honest. So I wonder about that. Like, what would I do right now if I was just handed a baby that I had to care for I guess I'd figure it out but I feel like I would have a really hard time excelling in both right now like my brain is kind of just in older kid mode yeah no that makes sense I have a I have a quick question did you when you were in this mode did you do a lot of baby wearing with other people's babies Uh uh-huh you did yeah yeah it's always I've never really had the opportunity or like the occasion to but it's always kind of felt like that would be the one thing that would maybe make me feel that like baby nostalgia. Like, I don't know. That's a very intimate thing. And I never, I never had to, it wasn't that I didn't want to, I just, it never came up and I wore my own baby so much, especially the second and third one that I was just curious if you would strap on another. Oh yeah. Especially if I was like taking care of a baby while my, my youngest was a toddler at the time or whatever you kind of had to. So, um, I also remember the visceral feeling of like having to stop myself from lifting my shirt to (laughs) nurse a baby that was not my own. Like, because that was just so automatic, like baby cry, lift shirt, 
you know, yeah. yep. boob in mouth, fix everything. And yep. I would have to stop myself and go, Megan, Megan, this is not your baby. <laughs> like they were like everyone's babies and nobody's babies. They were I just, just, just baby Palooza. I love it so much. <laughs> it's so different. I, I think our experiences here are like total opposite, which is so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the future, how we see ourselves as grandparents. I can't wait. You know, Megan, before I had kids, I was really convinced that Brian and I would be one of the one in six couples who struggle to conceive. Turns out we got pregnant within a few months each time, but in the lead up, I really had no idea whether it would take a month or many years. I've talked before about how I run a little anxious when it comes to health issues. And for me, the more knowledge I have about my health, the more I can relax. That's why I really could have benefited from our sponsor, Modern Fertility, when I was trying to conceive. It's the first comprehensive fertility hormone test for women, and it's super convenient because you can take the test at home, send it in, and get your results back in just a few days. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, right? So after you take the test, you get a customized report that can tell you information about your egg count, what you might expect from IVF or egg freezing, how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, which one in 10 women have, and more information about your general hormone health, which is really a window into general health. That's a ton of information I didn't have and would have really given me some peace of mind. You also will have a personal fertility team to help you understand your results and make a game plan, including fertility nurses. They've got stuff like a weekly webinar and an online community of women just like you. I am so blown away by this technology and this ability to do this all at home. My first thought was this sounds really expensive, but modern fertility tests are just $159 and you can use your FSA or HSA to pay for them. Yeah, that's amazing. I know a lot of women deal with secondary infertility. It's actually even more common than having trouble conceiving the first time. So if that is you, or if you know someone hoping to start their family soon, Modern Fertility can help. Visit modernfertility.com slash the mom hour. There you can take their fertility quiz and get $20 off your Modern Fertility test. Again, it's modernfertility.com slash the mom hour to take that quiz and get $20 off. So recently I stumbled across a pair of simple gold stud earrings that were once my grandma's and I realized, hey, I need some grown-up jewelry in my life. I really wanted a few classic pieces I would wear again and again, but that are quality enough that I might pass them down to Clara one day. But the experience of shopping for fine jewelry at a store has always felt intimidating to me, not to mention expensive. Our sponsor, Ana Luisa, makes it easy by offering high-quality, stylish jewelry that is much more affordable than what you'll find in a typical fine jewelry store. One thing I didn't know about the jewelry industry is that it takes 20 tons of earth mining to produce a single gold ring. So no wonder gold can be so expensive. Most brands won't tell you where the gold comes from, but Ana Luisa uses 100% recycled gold, so you don't have to worry about that impact. Also, big jewelry brands add on a huge markup, up to 10 times the cost of production. Ana Luisa eliminates the retail markup, so prices are much more accessible for the same high quality and genuine materials. In fact, Ana Luisa offers products from the same jewelers as Tiffany's and Louis Vuitton, and they are so confident in their quality that they offer a complimentary one-year warranty on every product. I was offered a piece of jewelry from Ana Luisa, and I had been looking around for a right-hand ring that looks stylish but not cheap. I know that could be really hard to find. So I chose the stone ring in Palace Deep Blue. I love it. It's really understated but eye-catching, and I know it's going to be an everyday piece for me. Also, the packaging was really pretty and felt luxurious, so just opening the box was a treat. So if you're also in the market to upgrade your jewelry, we've got a great deal for you. Go to www.analuisa.com slash the mom hour and use promo code the mom hour 10 for $10 off your purchase. Again, that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A.com slash the mom hour for $10 off your purchase. And we'd love to know what you got. 
Okay, so let's kind of future cast a little bit here. Your youngest is 10. My youngest is six. We've established that it's been a while and we still love the babies. But I'm curious as the distance grows farther and farther since you did this yourself, um, do you think you're rusty in anything like in baby toddler care? Do you feel oh, like yeah. this is going <laughs> to, this is the new, this is like Megan with babies 2.0. Now we have like the next generation. Yes. And okay. So I will say that even when I was in the thick of it, whenever I would have a newborn baby, I would find that I had to like, remember, like relearn certain Mm -hmm. things, but it would happen pretty quick. And there was a muscle memory, I think there that was like, you know, like the, you know, when you're like wiping up a poopy diaper on a newborn, you're like, how does this work again? And then you remember. And then you remember. Right. So, but definitely like, I do find that the further I get away from that, the, some of the stuff that you, you just know to be true. You just, have it in your bones. Like you don't have to think about it. You just know that when you sit down with a baby in your lap, you move the glassware out of the way yeah. with the other hand. You don't even know that you're doing it. You're arranging your environment at all times yeah. for the baby or whatever stage that they're there at. Or like when you go through a door, uh, when you walk through a door and you're holding a newborn, you kind of move your elbow yes. in away from the door jam, right? Like you don't think about the fact that you're doing that. You just do it because trial and error has taught you. That's what you do. So Yes, I've gotten rusty. In fact, I just um, took little, I was talking about little Liliana, uh, mm-hmm. Liz's baby, out on a kayak. So we went to their lake. They have a lake cottage. And Liliana really was a little bit grumpy that night. She really didn't want a lot to do with me, um, which is pretty typical. She wanted her mom. And we're all sitting around trying to have a conversation. And I think that Liz was maybe trying to get one of her other kids, like, set up with something. And so I said, and she had mentioned that Lilia really liked being out on the kayak. So I was like, oh, I'll take her out on the kayak. So put her little, her little teeny life preserver on her. <laughs> and we got on the kayak and we set off. And she was great. Like she sat still. She didn't. As soon as we got on the boat, she stopped hating me. And then we were out there and she was fine. And I kept kind of bumping her in the head with the paddle. So I turned her around so she was facing me. And then we were just talking and whatever. It was fine. And she was really cute. And then at one point I could tell she was squinting, like wherever we went, the sun was in her eyes. It was like at dusk. Yeah. And so, or just before dusk. So I don't know what I was thinking. I took my sunglasses off and put them on her. (laughs) And the reaction time for her (laughs) to get those sunglasses in the lake, it was like a quarter of a second. She didn't react. She didn't do anything. She just put her hand up, took the sunglasses off and dumped them. Like they were just gone. And I was, I sat there going, uh, uh, and then I thought, how did I not see that coming? A, how did I not have like the fast twitch, you know, uh-huh. reflexes needed to grab them when I saw that she was pulling them? What did I think was going to happen? Right. Did I think that she was going to just play with them or hand them back to me? I was just laughing at myself like, oh boy. That's so oh, funny. That's boy. so funny. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we we will necessarily get out of practice for things like yes. that. But I totally agree that there's so much that stays. Um, it was funny. We were f- on FaceTime the other day with I must have been at my parents' house. So I was with my dad, and we were FaceTiming my sister and my niece, who's um 20 months. So she, you know, not even two, and she's a good talker. She was saying words and she's putting little phrases together. And my dad was like, "You understand." her so well. And this is my niece who I I'm not around in person a lot. We do FaceTime. And I was like, I think I just still speak toddler. Like I know Mm -hmm. I can put together the context clues that she's pointing and 
I know her little, the little way they say things. I mean, I was around toddler speak for so, so long. So I think, I think there's little ways in which I still got it. You know, like I, yeah. I, I'll tell my sister like, oh, she'll do this thing where such and such, like they all do it. It's so funny. And my sister will be like, oh my gosh, she did that thing. Like, so I think I, I still have enough of a memory of those developmental phases and the cute things that are coming up next. So that's kind of fun. And I feel like I'm not rusty there yet, but give me another five or 10 years and I might be. And the other thing that came to mind is, you know, I feel like it's kind of a cliche about the grandparent generation that they're like, what's all this newfangled stuff that you've got here. But Mm -hmm. like, we're already kind of there. Like when it comes to the gear (laughs) and like the different things that you know, moms of new babies have, we're like, Oh, tell me about this newfangled object. So yeah, I do think there's starting to be kind of, um, a distance there. And then the other thing I think that happens with, with distance is just, you can appreciate phases that maybe were not your favorite. You know, we've talked a lot on this show about the toddler age, the one-year-old age being really hard. Um, but the further you are away from it, I do think you can kind of come back with this rosier appreciation. Well, um, you don't have to be the one doing it all yeah. the time. No. It's, and it's cute in little short doses, it right? It totally is. We yeah. have we have this little neighborhood boy named Gavin who I want to say he's three now. He's in preschool. When, when they first moved here, he was like 18 months. And he's significantly younger than everybody else on the street who hangs together. So it's like this big gang of kids. Violet's actually the youngest of the main group. And then there's Gavin. And he's sort of like the token toddler that everybody likes <laughs> because maybe like Liliana's like this too, but because we don't, there's no more toddlers left. And so we just right. all look at him. We're like, Gavin is, and he really is Look at his adorable. chubby little knees. Like, look yeah. at him eating his ice cream and like, and He's I'm so sh- messy. <laughs> and I'm sure his mom like is like, guys, this is not that fun. Yeah. It's her third kid. You know, she's still right. in it. Um, but I do think that it, that the longer that distance becomes, the more kind of, you know, rosy we can be about those hard phases. Yeah. That brings us to the f- even further in the future is yeah. that we're probably both going to end up being grandparents. Yeah. I mean, that could happen for me. Like, I, I hope it doesn't. I'm not ready, but really any old time. So. Yeah. So do you have a view of like how you probably will be or how you'd like to be as a grandparent? Do you think it'll be similar to the way you are as a mom? Um, Different? I mean, I think, first of all, I have to say like my mom is the most amazing grandparent. So when I answer this question, I'm almost thinking like, I just pretty much want to be like how my mom is. Like she's the right amount of interested and involved, but like not overbearing at all. Um, I think she focuses on kind of relationship with the individual kid as opposed to like, this is the grandma I want to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, like has it be more about each kid and their relationship rather than, you know, here's how we're going to do this. Um, I do think, I mean, I, I hope to be really involved. I hope to be able to kind of see all those phases and stages, up close and personal. Um, you know, hopefully I will, I, I don't have the easiest time just relaxing and playing. We did a whole episode about how we hate fun and I don't love some of the, you know, make believe play, but I would like to think that as a grandparent with kind of all responsibilities removed that I could kind of embrace that fun side a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. How about you? Well, I was thinking about this because I think that having that close relationship with my daughter or my sons and hopefully any women they may make babies with will like bring me back to that place that I was all those years ago where I was in it. Right. And like that new mom muscle memory, that laid back way that I was. 
Um, but I don't really see myself as being like a de facto nanny type, but I know a lot of people do happily take that on. Like grandparents mm-hmm. happily take on the role of like childcare for little ones. Right. And I don't necessarily want to do that. Not because I don't want to help out. And I would of course watch the kids if my son or daughter wanted to go someplace for the weekend or whatever. But what I would really like to do, I was so in the thick of it with my own and everybody else's babies that that stage of my life, like, I don't want to do that again. I think what I would rather do is like kind of what you were describing with your mom is have that individual relationship and get to do some of the stuff that I never really got to do with nieces and nephews. And even sometimes my own kids, because I was so like in the thick of it. So for example, when I was a young mom, I had no patience for things like library story time Mm. or like extended playground visits. I had a lot going on and I just had a lot I had to do when I had a lot of people to manage. And I would love if like in my grandma years, if I can just kind of embrace some of that stuff and, and more, um, really getting to know kids individually and taking them on -on one-on-one outings and stuff like that. So yeah, it's not like I don't want to help out. Of course I do, but I don't want to end up kind of back in that space space where I was I would like to kind of like do it on my own in my own terms I love that I think I I think I feel the same way and I actually think you know most of my parents and in-laws also ended up in that same space nobody provided full-time childcare. I don't think they would have wanted to and yet all of the grandparents that my kids have have been able to build those individual relationships I think it's also an opportunity if you like you said if you are close to you know, the adult children, the parents of this grandbaby to kind of, um, to bring something else to the kids experience that maybe the parents don't. Like, I think Mm. all of the grandparents, my kids have are, they're different than Brian and me. They have different Mm -hmm. interests. They have different strengths. And so if we're lucky enough to like have that multi-generational relationships going on, I think that that's what I would hope to do is like, what, what do I have to offer this kid that is maybe supplemental, um, to whatever they're getting at home? Um, you know, my mom does, like has fun traditions with the kids. That's nothing like what I would ever do. So I, and then you don't have to feel bad that you don't do it. Exactly. That's the greatest exactly. thing because they're getting it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, I'm just going to plug, we have a really good episode called the adults in our kids lives, which oh, is a, a like one. the inverse of this. It's talking about the other adults who impact our kids. Um, and it's more of an older kid discussion. I think as kids grow up and have relationships with like teachers and coaches and aunts and uncles, but it's really, really good. And it's kind of, yeah, it's like the inverse of this. Um, so I was just thinking about that. I'll link that up in the show notes, but if you haven't listened, that's a really good one. So yeah, I don't, I'm not, I I have no rush to become a grandparent. It almost feels weird to discuss it, but I guess for you, yeah, it it could be, you know, sooner than later. I've been in the thick of this for a long time now. So (laughs) just, you know, I'd like to have a break, but who knows? I have a lot of kids entering adulthood relatively quickly here and some that are already there. So yeah. (sighs) All right. Well, I have one, I have one more question for you. Okay. And this, I'm curious if this changes, has changed over time too. When you're out in public, I know you said you like to see babies. Everyone likes to smile at a baby and coo at a baby. But do babe, do, do the dark side of babiness bother you? Mm. Or are you good at just like letting it go? I would say for the most part, I can let it go. Crying does not bother me. Tantruming, I am like, 
I'm sending all of the just solidarity vibes. Like I've never been bothered by a kid having a meltdown. If anything, I feel like almost like smiling, but not in a mean way, but it's just like, totally know what you mean. It's like, it's like a rite of passage. It's like witnessing hard stuff going on. And I do sometimes smile. Sorry. (laughs) I know. I hope it doesn't look like I'm laughing at anybody. I'm just like, it's just so universal. It's so universal. That's exactly what it is. It happens in every language at every socioeconomic yep. level. So that never bothers me. Crying on airplanes doesn't bother me. I, uh, a kid that it seems really out of control, like let's say there's like a super runny nose running around, like no parental supervision happening I feel like that would just kind of annoy me. Just like, yeah, no, I like, get you. where is your mother? I'm of. less tolerant of that stuff now than I used to be, yeah. which I don't know if that's just a get off my lawn old lady thing or if it's just because like I'm not used to it, right. but I find, or maybe because I'm not distracted with my own kids. Yeah. So I have more time to notice, but yeah, that stuff. I, I, if so, if the parents just really checked out right um, now, if they look like they need help, yes. it triggers like that. Let me help you. But if they look like they just don't care or yeah. aren't paying attention, then I'm like, like it yeah. starts to trigger something. Same. But yeah, but I'm kind of the same way. Like um, John and I used to always joke that when we flew without the kids, we loved it when babies cried on the airplane because they weren't ours. Yeah. We just laugh. We'd be like, listen to that baby crying. Isn't that funny? And then we just put our earbuds in and go about our adult lives, which is, you know, yes. which is fun. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of the same. Like it, it's just part of the cacophony of life. I agree. How far would that let me help you extend? Like, would you or have you offered to like, you know, full on hold somebody's baby while they get their toddler in the stroller? Like I I find myself like I, I would, I have the intent, but I do find myself kind of like wondering about boundaries sometimes. Like I don't want to do that thing where it's like, I'm a mom too. I'll I'll show you how it's done. I would, I don't regularly do that. I think it totally depends on if I have any connection. Like if the mom is studiously ignoring me and does not want my help, I am not going to approach. But if she's kind of looking at me with that desperate look, like there's a difference that I think sometimes it's just like reading those cues. And it's very rare that I would actually step in and offer actual hands-on help. Um, But I have, I've also done other things like a toddler is wandering away and you get in front of the toddler and just kind of herd them back, like stuff like that. It's just easy to do. And it's non-judgmental and it's not also really boundary breaking because right. I'm not touching their kid. I'm just right. like, Hey, well, go back that way. You right. know, it's right. different than like putting my hands on their baby. Yes. Um, yeah. Let but me if, hold if, that for you. Let me hold that baby. <laughs> you don't need this baby. It looks like your hands are full. Can I have your baby? No. Like I think that, um, you know, just reading the situation, yeah. it's pretty rare that I'd step into that level, but that's not to say I wouldn't. Yeah. The situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. <sighs> So Sarah, I have one more question that I feel like will cap this whole experience that we've had, unless you had something else to say about that. Go for it. Okay. You are at a party and there's an acquaintance, not like a bestie, not like a sister. Okay. Who has a baby with an enormous green booger hanging out of its nose. (laughs) What do you do? I mean, is everyone looking at me? Yeah. You're like in a circle talking with friends. Yeah. I probably grab it. I grab the baby's booger. Yeah, I do too. I can't. <laughs> I can't handle it. I cannot not pick or the boogers. Or spit up, right? Like when they have like yeah. spit up. Um, <laughs> that's one of those muscle memory things. You just take yes. the corner of your shirt and you kind of wipe yeah. their their little mouth. And then you're like, wait, this is a really nice shirt. I'm not wearing that. That was I'm not, not my sure. baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. No, I can't like, and I'll, what I'll do in that situation is make it about me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a freak. I can't stand yeah. boogers. Ha 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 yeah. ha. 
Well, but, and yeah. <laughs> having been the mom in that situation, do you remember the days when you were just drowning in spit yes. up and boogers and someone would be like, oh, you've got a little bit on your shirt. And you'd be like, yeah, yep. lady, I've had that there for six years. Like, right. this is <laughs> like that's old. That's crust. Thank you for thinking I should be more put together, but this is my life now. So yeah, yeah. it is. It's totally more a symptom of yeah. what your personal comfort level is. But yeah, I would grab the booger. I'm team yep. booger. Yep. Team booger. And and also uh, like, it's not judgment because the mom didn't get no. the booger. It's literally just like, there is a booger and it needs to be out. <laughs> I need to get that booger. All right. Well, oh gosh, I'm glad so we funny. had this little talk. That's so funny. <laughs> okay. So before we wrap up, we are spending the end of each episode lately talking about another podcast we think you guys should go check out. So Megan, cue it up for us. Yeah, so today we are queuing up the Make Light podcast by our friend Karen Walrand. Karen is awesome. She's a leadership coach. She's a best-selling author, photographer, longtime OG blogger. And this podcast is really unique in that it switches back and forth between interviews and then kind of like I would describe them as motivational talks yeah. from Karen to you. She's really good at it. I listened to the one um, recently where she did like a commencement address. I like that. As though she were, you know, giving one. And she told this really funny story about a woman who attacked her boyfriend with a samurai sword. It was just hilarious. I know it doesn't sound funny, but it really was. So you should check her out. Again, that's Karen Walren's podcast, Make Light. And you can find it at themakelightshow.com or anywhere podcasts are listened to. Yes, go check out Karen. We love Karen so much. We get to see her in person a few times a year and it's always delightful. Okay, Megan, I want to go snuggle some babies. So I kind of do too. Let's go. Let's I wonder go, if I can go find one. Go rustle up some babies to snuggle. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.